Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Hey, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 15. Today we conclude our series on the I Am Statements of Christ. And here in our passage in John chapter 15, you'll see that there are several elements that this passage is dealing with. It's talking about our relationship with Christ. Talking about the importance of the word. You'll also discover in this passage the importance of learning to trust the process. And how many know that can be difficult at times? you got to learn to trust the process. You'll also discover the truth of how we got to lean on the strength of Christ. We'll talk about the importance of obedience and the joy that Christ gives. Let's begin reading in verse 1. I will read out the New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more you have already been pruned and purified by the message i have given you remain in me verse 4 and i will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, and such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments... You remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. And I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's read verse 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. I pray that you'll open our hearts to receive, and Lord, give us ears that will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, may we leave here today encouraged and strengthened and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. First thing we want to look at is the I am statement of Christ. He said, I am the true 
vine. Verse 1, he says, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. There's two things the gardener does. He cuts away and he prunes. Now, this imagery of the vine would be familiar to every Jewish individual because they were familiar with the Old Testament writings. In the Old Testament, the vine appeared regularly as a symbol of Israel. The father owns the garden. Jesus is the vine, and his followers are the branches. Jesus, with all believers abiding in him, is the true vine, the true fulfillment of God's plan for his people. And this new society of God's people called Christians originates from Christ and is united to him as branches to a vine. Jesus becomes the perfect example of what the Father intended for every Israelite to be. Notice as verse 1 opens up, he makes this declaration, I am. Declaring his equality with the Father. Declaring that he is the Almighty who was and is and is to come. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. The Lord God is the beginning and the end. And the Father is the eternal Lord, the ruler of the past, present, and future. God is sovereign over history and is in control of everything. The one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come, who controls present, past, and future. And that phrase, the Almighty, comes out of the Old Testament and conveys the imagery of, uh, of, of a military might referring to God as a mighty warrior. And that military imagery helped the people in the churches to whom the book was written understand that they had the ultimate warrior fighting on their side. And I want you to know this today. You have the ultimate warrior fighting your battles. He is for you and not against you. He is working in your life and on your behalf. How can you not win if God is by your side. Can somebody give him praise today? He rules over all. Jesus said, I am. I am almighty. I am alpha and omega. Write this in your notes. He's the God of the now. He who rules and reigns wants to reign in your life today. The I am is here. My hope and my prayer is that you and I will have a fresh revelation of Jesus as I am.
Then Jesus takes this imagery and he makes this point in the analogy that my father is the gardener. He's the gardener for the vine. The gardener is concerned about the health of uh, the vine. The gardener is concerned about the health and life of the branches. Now, in order to achieve their best productivity, grapevines need the attention of a loving gardener because wild vines are unproductive. You got to come under the submission to the gardener. Many times in our society, we want to do our own thing. But if you want to be effective in the kingdom of God, then you've got to come under the umbrella of the authority of the Holy Spirit, of the authority of God, and that which he has placed in order. Now, what does the gardener do? Write this word, he cuts. Every branch that does not produce fruit, every branch that is dead, he cuts it. Why? Because the dead branches zaps the life from the vine. A dead branch left to itself will give way to disease and eventually affect the health of uh, the vine. And if you've ever seen a vine with dead branches, it's very unattractive. Uh, and can I tell you something? God means for the church to be attractive today. He means for the things of God to be attractive because he is life. And the only thing that's going to give people the answers is he, life. We have got to present life to others. Now, what does the gardener do? He cuts away, and then he prunes every branch that does bear fruits. Because the goal of the branches is to produce fruits. And not just fruits, but even more. The gardener is concerned with the health of the branch. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, the apostle Paul writes this to the church of Philippi. May you always be filled with the fruits of your salvation. Did you hear that? Your salvation has a fruit to it. There's a result to you being saved. It's more than just intellectual ascent. It is, it is to be fruit in your life. In other words, people can see the fruit in you. And then he gives us the description of what this fruit is, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. The fruit that God is looking for is righteous character. How is that righteous character produced? By the life of Jesus Christ. If you go back to our main passage in John's gospel, chapter 15, go down to verse 8. Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, Righteous character. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. How do you know a follower of Christ? By the fruit they're bearing. By their life that they're receiving and their life is producing something. It's more than just those who say, Lord, Lord, I believe. It's those who follow. He says, you are my true disciples if you bear much fruit. And he says, this brings glory, great glory to my father. So in order to have fruit, good, wholesome fruit, quality fruit, then there comes the process of, this is an important word, write it, pruning. 
Now, pruning is not indiscriminate. However, it is very detailed and precise. Pruning's goal was not to cause injury, but fruitfulness. However, pain may be involved in the process, but the pain will lead to greater effectiveness. You got to be willing to bear the pain to get to the season of greater effectiveness. The challenge with our easy grace today is we don't want to go through the pain. We don't want to go through the hardship. We don't want to go through the process. We want it all to be laid out for us. We want it all to be there. But if you're going to climb to that next level, if you're going to have a greater effectiveness, if you're going to bring forth much fruit, then you've got to submit to the process, and the gardener's going to cut some things away. And every time he cuts something away, it's painful. It hurts. But he's positioning you for something greater. He's positioning you for a more effectiveness in your life. See, in the pruning process, something is lost. What are you willing to lose to become all that God's called you to be? What are you willing to let go of in order to be the true disciple he's called you to be? Something is cut away to make room for something better, something new, more fruitfulness. Let me give you an important note. Sometimes you have to lose something in order to move to the next level. Sometimes you got to lose something in order to move to the next level. But the challenge with a lot of us is we are too comfortable with the familiar. We don't want to let go of the good to get to the best. Can I tell you, God only deals in the best. He's got something more effective. He's got a greater ministry. He's got a a bigger door. He's got more souls to be brought into the kingdom. He's got a a greater depth of relationship for you. But you've got to be willing for him to cut something away. You've got to be willing for him uh, to, 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 to prune you so you can be positioned for that next season and level In your life, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. But you got to trust the process. I thought about this and I wrote it over in my my notes on the side of the page. If you're going to walk through the pruning process, you got to realize the gardener knows exactly what part of the branch to cut. So give him leeway. Quit, quit trying to be in control. Lord, you can cut over here, but you can't cut here, God. <laughs> no, God, not, not that part. But, but, Lord, you can have all you want of this right here. <laughs> oh, but the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. I want that right there. You got to trust. You got to surrender to the process. And you got to believe. You got to believe the best is yet to come. See, there's only two things the gardener does. He cuts away dead branches. Church, I don't want to be dead. (laughs) But then he prunes the ones that bring forth 
fruit. Why? Because he's looking for even more fruit. He's looking for greater, greater quantity. He's looking for quality. He's looking for the righteous character of his son in you. So there's some things that the gardener is going to cut away. Tim LaHaye writes this in his book. The purpose of a good gardener is not to punish the vine with his shears, but to make it the most fruitful plant it can be. He trims because all branches develop dead vines. He cuts because only by cutting can he make room for new growth. Mm, get that in your spirit. Only by cutting can he make room for new growth. He prunes because pruning is critical to the amount of fruit a vine can bear. When he is finished, the vine is at its best. Did you hear that? When he is finished, the vine is at its best. And when the vine is at its best, the gardener can use it to feed more people. The best we can do is let the gardener work and wait for the results. See, when you're in that time of hurting, when you're in that time of painful, painful experience, just tell your neighbor, I'm waiting for what the Lord is going to do. He's cutting some things away. He's removing some relationships out of my life, but I'm in the waiting season. I'm waiting because the best is yet to come. I trust the gardener. I trust the process, and I know he is for me and not against me. I know that he's going to use me with a greater effectiveness. Because more people can be blessed when you bear greater fruits. Mm, it's not about your comfort. It's about his glory. Mm. Which brings us to the second point. You got to abide in me. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. Auntie, nothing. Write this word, remain. That word remain means abide. This is an important theme in this chapter. That word remain or abide is used no fewer than 11 times in this passage alone. And the Greek word for abide is spoken as a command. It is also an ongoing emphasis. That is, the command to abide is not fulfilled in a one single act. You wake up and you say, I'm going to abide today. I'm going to abide tomorrow. It's the constant leaning in to the activity of God, staying connected to the vine. Because remember, you're only the branch. And the branch cannot produce life by itself. It has to be connected to the vine. Jesus said, in me, I am the vine. Remain in me. 
Abiding for the disciples and for all believers today means to make a constant moment-by-moment decision to follow Christ. And we must not be passive. Believers don't just sit and abide until they die. Instead, we must be active. We must have a lot to do. See, remaining and abiding in Christ means doing what God says. John later writes this in his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 24. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with me and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So those who obey God's commandments remain or abide in fellowship with him. Now, when we do this, we have the wonderful promise. Jesus said, I will remain in you. I will abide in you. Now, notice the result of abiding in Christ, of abiding in him. You will produce much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What is this fruit? We spoke about it, the fruit of righteousness, of right living. Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, righteous living. And he gives us wonderful examples of right living. In the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. You want to remain in Christ? You want to abide in him? Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. In order to bear fruit, you and I, and this is important, we must be Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Remember verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing without me, without Christ. See, to abide in Christ is to continually live your life according to his principles, according to his gospel. You've got to lean into the activity of God because you've got to realize that without him, you can do nothing. But the opposite of that is true. With him, we can do all things. (laughs) With him, the I am. Paul said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be Christ-centered. Let me show you the importance of this. It's found in verse 7. It will affect your prayer life. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. You say, woohoo, I can ask for anything and it's going to happen. Get the context. The context is abiding in King because when you abide in him, suddenly your desires begin to change. 
Suddenly, your wishes and your wants began to take on a different realm. Suddenly, you're saying, Lord, it's really not what I want. God, what is best for me? God, not my will, but your will be done. Look at verse 7. I want to read it out of the paraphrase, the message. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words at home in you, I love it. Make yourself at home with him and make yourself at home with his word. Let the word of God be at home in your life. Because the word, remember earlier, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you've been pruned, you're clean by the word I have spoken. The word of God will change you. The word of God will transform you. The word of God will prune your life. That's the gardener. When you let the word of God be at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Because you're not just praying any kind of fancied prayer. You're learning to pray the will of God. Because you're being led by the Spirit of God. Which brings us to our final point. You will find and you will discover that this is the place where your joy will overflow. Some people look at things like this and say it's too restrictive. It's too confining. But you actually find freedom in surrendering. You find true freedom by coming to the end of yourself. You find true freedom by giving up your rights and surrendering to his will. You find that you can really then begin to live. I have loved you, verse 9. Even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled, notice, with my joy. I've told you this, and the implication is as you're practicing, as you're putting this into practice, you will be filled with my joy, the joy of the Lord. And yes, your joy will overflow. So you got to discover the key. Can I tell you what the key is? The key is you have to remain in my love. Write that word key. You got to remain in his love. That is to continue to stay in. How do you do that? Look at verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I followed my father's commandments and remain in his love. So the key to remaining in his love is obedience. We can abide in Jesus' love when we're walking out the word of God. Our life is being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And suddenly, something begins to happen. Something begins to take place. You're being filled. <laughs> You're empty no more. Obedience is the key. If you back up one chapter to John chapter 14, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Don't just say you love me, show me. Don't just have the word, the terminology right. Have the life right. Follow my 
command. See, the key to remaining is abiding, is obedience. And Jesus modeled two critical points for all true disciples. Since he obeyed the Father's commands, so could we. He's our supreme example. He followed the Father's will. You can follow the Father's will. And he says he loved them. So he taught them that they could too love one another. See, we know love because God first loved us. Jesus loved them, even those that despised him, even those that rejected him. Jesus loved them. And then notice the feeling. I've told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. I've explained this to you. I'm teaching this to you because I want you to have my joy. And when you have my joy, it will result in your joy overflowing. What a powerful dynamic. Christ offers us fullness of joy. Nothing else in all the world can bring the joy that we find in serving and abiding and obeying Christ. Jesus had promised, I have come to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. As you walk in obedience to his word, you're being pruned. You're being pruned. Some things are being taken away because he's looking for greater fruit. And because that fruit is abounding in your life, you're being filled with his joy. And because you're being filled with his joy, your joy is overflowing. The psalmist said, my cup runneth over today our cup runs over because we got the joy of the Lord abiding within us Peter said it was unspeakable and full of glory you might be walking through a hard time you might be walking through a season of drought but the father is just pruning you just wait a little bit because he is positioning you for something greater and in that process you got the joy of the Lord There's a song in your heart and you're rejoicing in the goodness of God because you know he's going to take you to greater effectiveness. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me. And if you learn to abide in me, it means the gardener will come and cut some things away. Trust the process. Because the process leads to greater effectiveness. Walk in obedience. And as you trust me by walking in obedience, my joy will fill your life. And my joy will cause your joy to overflow. Woo! <laughs> Overflowing is a sign of abundance. Oh, the servant came back to Elisha, to the man of God, and said, I see the hand, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. It's about to rain. Elijah told him, you run ahead and go tell Ahab, get ready, because the shower is about to come. I'm here today to tell you, get ready, because joy is about to overflow. Get ready, because the best is yet to come. You might be hurting right now. It might be painful right now. 
but you keep singing, you keep rejoicing, you keep showing up, you keep worshiping, you keep declaring, you keep walking in obedience, and the Lord is going to do something great. The Lord's going to break that stronghold. The Lord's going to bring greater effectiveness. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Mm. Bless your name. Every believer, just raise your hand, begin to worship him. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank the gardener. Begin to thank Thank Jesus because he's divine. <laughs> Begin to thank him for the privilege of you abiding. You've been grafted in. Sometimes you don't like the process, but God's, God's getting you ready for something bigger, something greater, something richer, something fuller. Somebody needs to hear this. You're, you're about to step into your season. You're about to step into your season. Mm. <laughs> There's a new level. There's a new season. Holy Spirit says you got to receive it. Holy Spirit says you got to trust the process. The Holy Spirit says you got to let go. Let the, let the husbandry, let the gardener cut it away. It's painful. It's hurtful. Sometimes it means different relationships. Sometimes it means a different set of friends. Sometimes it might mean a different door than you didn't realize you could walk through. But the Holy Spirit says, if you trust me, if you'll just trust me, I'm going to take you to that new season. I'm going to take you to that new level. I'm going to do something that you never dreamed possible. I'll answer that prayer. Quit trying to control it yourself. Quit trying to manipulate it. Quit trying to prearrange it because the Father's already prearranged the blessing. The Father's already decided what he's going to do. You just got to lean in. You just got to trust him. You just got to say, cut away, Lord. Cut away. Here I am. Surrender. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead and surrender. Let your joy overflow because of the goodness and the presence of Jesus Christ. He's about to do something great. He's about to do something awesome. He's about to do something you never dreamed possible. But you gotta let go. You gotta trust him. You gotta say, Here I am. Here I am. Here I am.